The reading today is taken from Acts 17, verses 22 to 34. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also was Dionysius, the Eropagate, and the woman named Damaris, and others with them. And here ends today's reading. God is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. It's one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. This whole, this whole discussion that Paul has with, with the, the philosophers of, of, um, of Athens is, is a wonderfully interesting discussion. And by the way, you know, this discussion is still carrying on. It's still happening. God is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. I'm pretty sure that most of us that are sitting here today are sitting here because of 
someone else who became a living letter written by the Holy Spirit, read by you, in which God revealed himself to you. I'm pretty sure that God used someone else as a living letter to reveal himself to who you are, to, to, to you, so that you could know him. It was not about, about just preaching or a little track that you found somewhere or, or anything. In most cases, someone actually turned up in your life and shared the gospel with you and shared who Jesus is with you and who Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is with you and to live accordingly in obedience and, uh, and obedience to Him and glorifying Him. So these little kiddies, they can't read, they don't understand much, but they understand more than we think. They understand what we say and what we do and what we look like and what we shouldn't look like. This little young man, um, Noah, he said this morning to, to Desiree, calm down. <laughs> he, can't, he can't, I mean, he starts saying little sentences, but he, he can say that sentence, calm down, <laughs> Omar. So they understand more than we think, and they, it takes one word, just one word, and they pick it up, and they're going to use it for, for, as far as, a, you know, for the whole life. I, by accident, said, called Desiree the other day, Omaiki. Um, you know, little grandma, Omaiki. And immediately Joshua picked up on that and he called her Omaiki. And, well, that is a derogatory, derogatory, I can't even pronounce that word. Derogatory word. Is that right? Terry word um, in the in the in the thesaurus of of, of uh, grandmas, really, not oh my key. Anyway, they pick it up and they use it, and it slipped out of my mouth. Just you know, but th- that was a sort of a, a word of endearment. But this is how they pick up on that God does exist, that He loves us that He cares for us, that He takes care of us, that He's got a Son, that He's got a Spirit. He picks it up, they pick it up from us while they're still little babies. We shouldn't be afraid to, to, to name the name of Jesus in presence of our children. It's simple. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. This is a simple message. They should pick it up before they can, they can talk, and we should talk and live it. But anyway, this is more or less, I think, how we ended up here. Because we became living letters written by the Spirit of the risen Christ. Now we read, and I would, would like to uh, approach our text Our text verse, God is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. I want to approach this text verse from the angle of a couple of other uh, text verses that 
Um, Paul said with, with some of the congregations that, that he brought into, into life, that he planted. One of those texts sort of follow through on this whole idea of God is being close to us. Why? And that we live and move through Him. That we can't be or exist or have a meaningful life without Him. That is such a... We can't be without Him being. That the whole idea of, of there is no God should actually mean there is no us. There is no me. Nowadays people do, do start... Well, some people do ask, is there life before birth? Or is there life after birth? They don't only ask, is there life after death? Is there life uh, after birth? Do I really exist? Isn't my existence just, just a figment of my imagination? Anyway, this is what philosophers do. They like playing these games. And people are playing these games because they do not believe that God exists. Today, they haven't made one step ahead from the philosophers or the answers that the philosophers in Athens uh, came to, the conclusions that they came to. At least they came to the point where they were willing to worship the God that they do not know, the unknown God. Today, the really bright people from our time, the bright scientists, don't even get to the point of a possible unknown God. So Romans 12, Paul speaks to the Romans, and you know this verse very well. There Paul says one very, very important thing that helps us understand this uh, this text of ours. And the common theme, I will help you to, to understand where all these, these things come together. The common theme is I just said it in Afrikaans now. I'm, the, the process of sanctification. You remember when Jesus spoke to this to the, the, the scribe, and the scribe said, so um, what is the summary of the law? And Jesus gave him the summary of the law. And this, this scribe said, well, well answered. Like a teacher, you know, the scribe was a, was a teacher of the law. And he, he treated Jesus like a, like a, like a child, like a, like a learner. But Jesus gave him the exact a beautiful answer. And Jesus actually said to him, you came close to the kingdom of God. You the scribe, you know everything regarding the Old Testament. You know everything about the law of God, but you came close to the kingdom of God because you haven't me yet. You haven't got me yet. You only understand it with your head. 
but you don't have me. If you don't have Christ, you don't have life. And here I'm standing right in front of you, and you don't have me. You came close to the kingdom of God, but you haven't got it. I'm, I'm scared that many of us come to church often and that we come close to the kingdom of God, but we never receive it. We never enter the kingdom of God. Just like the scribe. I'm concerned about that. And this is why when Paul speaks to the Romans in Romans chapter 1 and 2, he sort of helps us understand this process of sanctification, of becoming the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. He describes it a little bit better. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll come back later to the last part of this, this um, text. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now this is an angle on, of, on and understanding the process of sanctification. You've got to offer something. What do you have to offer? You have to offer everything that includes how you live, how you move, how you exist. Everything. This is what you need to offer as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I already preached between 30 and 40 sermons just on this theme of sanctification here in this congregation. I'm not so sure that much changed because of that. But if nothing changes, nothing changes, we stay right there where that scribe was. Very close to the kingdom of God, but we never enter because we don't offer what needs to be offered. We think we just receive without offering. Now we've got to offer everything. The way we live, the way we move, the way we are, how we exist. We've got to offer that as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We've got to set it aside for His purpose. We spoke about, yeah, Sermon for sermon for sermon about how to set aside things that we often don't think, oh, do I have to set that aside for God's purpose? Does that have to be holy? Does that have anything to do with the process of sanctification, of becoming holy because He's holy? Remember God said, I'm holy. That's why you've got to be holy. I set you aside in my heart and my mind aside for my purpose. It's time that you set me aside for your purpose, in your heart and in your mind. We spoke about sleep and, and walk and clothe and work and worship and rest and 
the purpose of our lives and our time, how we spend our time and our friendships and our life goal and how we care and how we sometimes doubt and our perceptions and our prayers and what we say, our words and our plans and our attitude aside for God's purpose. Every one of those things need to be set aside for His, this is the, for his purpose. This is the process of sanctification. This is what we've got to offer. And the glory. You will remember that we mentioned the fact, this, this word as an example. Um, how we not sacrifice or offer or set aside glory for God's purpose only and not for anything else. We, and, and the word is awesome. You'll probably remember this, this sermon. We say, oh, this is awesome. Oh, I've got an awesome girlfriend. Or we've got awesome parents. Or we, we, we've got an awesome church. Or stuff is awesome. Stuff is awesome. Stuff's not awesome. Only the fingerprints of God on that stuff is awesome. So when we come to God, we don't have a word left. Because God is awesome. So we don't have a word left for God. Because we think other things are awesome. We give glory to other things instead of, of, of to God. We don't set glory aside for God's purpose. And this is what, is what is pleasing to him. That is the offer that is really pleasing to him. When the glory is set aside for his purpose. I wanted to watch a, a movie the other day. Just, you know, a movie, a normal story. Um, about normal stuff. Just a normal story. But they use the name of God in vain in almost every sentence. And actually, yes, it was the story of an ungodly family with the ungodly despair and pain and suffering. And they continue sentence, mom and kids, using God's name in vain. And I thought by myself, well, there you go. This is exactly how it is. If only they could set the glory aside for God's purpose, everything would change in that family immediately. The process of sanctification is therapeutic as far as our bodies and our minds and our spiritual health is concerned. The, sp- the, the process of sanctification. But the Bible is mostly written to followers of Christ, to children of God, to people with whom God has made uh, a covenant, to help them to change, to become holy, to help them participate in the process of sanctification. This is what we do on this, part, this side of the grave. This is why we get this chance. So the process of sanctification is about setting us, 
ourselves and everything that it includes aside for God's purpose. So we can be and live and exist and move for His glory. Otherwise we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We can't enter His kingdom. We can come close but we can't enter. And then there's another verse that Paul actually shares with a with a church in, in Philippi, the Philippians. Philippians. Philippians chapter three, verse twelve, B Paul gives us this angle on the process of sanctification. It's it's stunning. He says I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's what Paul says. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Can you see that that is exactly what the process of sanctification is all about? Just seen from a different angle. What does he want from me? Um, Why did he take hold of me? For what purpose? So that I can glorify him. So that I can be in his will and, and answer to his will. That I can worship him. That he can be, be, uh, be uh, glorified by me. So Paul says, I press on to take hold of that. I Press on to take hold of that glory so I can share it with him. Set it aside for his purpose. There's this little story. You will remember if you listen to that sermon when I told the story because you remember the little stories and not the sermons. So it's this, you know, a sermon about this, this story or hooked onto the story of the farmer. Farmer was, a, was an elder. Uh, always came to church, and the leader elder always asked this, this farmer, his name was, let's call him um, um, Jan. So Jan, how's things going on the farm? Oh, no, it's so dry, the meal is, or the corn is, is dead, and so on and so on. The cattle are uh, skinny, and there's no water to drink. It's horrible. Um, God is probably punishing me. Anyway, so sad face farmer every time in church. He probably never did the congregational prayer. I don't know how he would, would have prayed, but anyway. Next Sunday, same story. Oh no, it rained so much. Cattle are knee deep in the mud and whatever, whatever, whatever. A lot of bad stuff. You know what farmers are like. So, but he was a good man because God is punishing him, obviously. And then one, one day the leader elder asked again, so um, Jan, how's it, going? Um, how's it going on your farm? Wonderful, brother, wonderful. And the leader elder said, um, but um, I know you as a man of God. You know, God punishes you, you know, with drought and stuff. You recognize that God is involved on your farm. And he said, no, brother. I gave my will over to God 
and I receive these well as mine. And now it rains on my farm just when I want it to rain, and it's dry there only every time when I want it to, uh, I want it to be, uh, to, to be dry. So everything's fine on my farm. Because God's will became my, my will. This is the process of sanctification. He pressed on and he took hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of him. Eventually the penny dropped for, for Jan. And he received that for which Jesus Christ took hold of him. This is us. This is profound. Remember he set us aside for his purpose. In his mind. He sanctified us in his own mind and heart. And now we just ask us. To step into his kingdom. To offer our whole being as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to him. So a struggling farmer became a happy man for that reason only. Not because the weather patterns changed on his farm. But because God's, God sort of became the king of his, king of his life. The, the love of his life. And God started receiving the glory. And whatever happened on his farm was meaningful. Now, I don't want to take, go too far with this, with this example, but that farmer would have had a wife and kids and farm workers and so on, and he would, would have become a living ladder in the lives of them so that they could learn who God really is under these circumstances. This is how it happens. This is what happens in um, covenant families because covenant families have someone, probably the, 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 the dad or the mom or the granddad or grandma who became a living letter of Christ in the lives of the rest. Like Abraham, he became this for his whole clan. And this farmer sort of became, hopefully, this for his whole farm and all the farm workers and everyone there. And so you and I as a mom and a dad or a friend or a, or a parishioner or a leader, church leader or, or a, a fellow worker out there, we're going to be living letters. question is how? How do you become and where do you become a living letter of Christ? It's got to happen somewhere. If you step into the kingdom of, 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 of heaven, it's got to happen somewhere. If you offer your body, your whole being as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's got to happen somewhere, sometime. Nothing happens that we know of if it doesn't happen in a certain space. I just call that time space. You will remember I've, I've mentioned this idea of time space. 
There's a time for everything, and there's a space for everything. We can't just say, it's time for that, but there's no space when it can happen, so it doesn't happen. Oh, it's not the, you know, the wrong place and the wrong, at the wrong time. We, we often say that. <laughs> well, that's true. Time, space. We set things aside for God in time, space. And I would like to call this particular kind of time space, prayer space. If God is so close to us that we live and move and exist in Him, why doesn't He do what we ask Him to do? And if we offer everything For his sake, why doesn't he do what we ask him to do? At the same time. If we live and move and have our being in him, why don't we do what he asks from us? So there's two sides of this relationship. And where does this relationship get sorted out? Where does this transaction happen? In prayer space. So we got got to put some prayer space aside for God's purpose so that we can be sanctified. So that the process of sanctification can actually Um, continue in our lives. So this is also interesting. Where is prayer space? Do you remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well? She argued with Jesus where God will be worshipped on this mountain or on that mountain. And Jesus said, you know what? Since I came, God can be worshipped anywhere. And He will be worshipped anywhere because He will be worshipped in spirit and truth. And He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know that body that you should set aside for His purpose? That is my sanctuary. That is where prayer space happens. Wherever your body is. Because your body is the temple of God. That is where prayer happens, wherever your body goes. It can be at the traffic light, can be here in church, can be everywhere. But it happens, or it has to happen your body actually carries time space prayer space. This is where it happens, where you go. And this is wherever you are. You can set aside everything, who you are, whatever you are, how you move, aside for God's purpose. Because in this place, in this prayer space, in this sanctuary, that is a mobile sanctuary, 
carried by your own two legs or your own two wheels of your, of your wheelchair or whatever. In this prayer space, men see God and reach out for Him and find Him. Acts 17, 20, 27. In this prayer space, God is not far from us. And we find that in Him we live and move and being and be, find our being, have our being. This is where it happens. This is where the Holy Spirit writes living letters on the tablets of our hearts. Right there where your body is. That's where prayer space is. That is where you press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of you. The will of God. I don't think I can say that clearer. If you still have a question about where the moment of sanctification is found, you can talk to me again. Talk to Sharat, he's still around. He's, he's, he'll, he'll have this discussion with you, I'm sure. Um, because this is where you heal prayer space when you come into God's presence and you find him there where you are already there waiting for you so close so close (laughs) so close just see him there right here where you are this is why this becomes the temple of God Because all these little sanctuaries come together on a Sunday morning and together we come into prayer space, in worship space, in glorifying God space. This is where we heal. This is where we become in God's God's name each other's healers by sharing the healing wonderful grace of God with each other. This is us. And at this very moment, He's reaching out to us. He wants to write on the tablets of our hearts. This is where He does it. So that other can, others can read it. Now, for at least 16 years, I've been listening to Phil's prayers. Well, it's, it's pretty, you know, similar. He adds some, some, you know, little details from time to time, but pretty similar. And we always pray that we will, that others will look at us and wonder um, whether they can have what we have. Is that more or less for the words that you normally pray? Is it more or less it? Yes. That means we've got to be a letter written by the Holy Spirit in prayer space. Wherever we go, this is us. Outreach. Holy Spirit reaches out to us. And that is through us that He reaches out to others. And we turn up in prayer space.
on two legs in that little sanctuary. God is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. I don't think I understand what I've just read to you. Um, But I'm still reaching out to make this mine. And I know the only place where this will happen for me is in prayer space. Doesn't matter where I go, this little sanctuary where this happens will go along. And this will stay true. I'm not far from you. In me, you live and move and have your being. May God bless you. May God help you to urge you, make this happen, this whole process of sanctification. May the Holy Spirit of the risen Christ keep writing on the tablets of your hearts beautiful words of encouragement, beautiful words of love and grace, of the fruit of the Spirit, beautiful words of being steadfast, of holding on, I'm pushing ahead. May God bless you with His wonderful, wonderful presence. Amen. I just pray that you will do what is on your heart with each one of us. And we trust you because you love us, because you're a gracious God and a merciful God. You are our counselor, you are our healer, you are our guide, you are our life. You are the meaning of our lives, the purpose of our lives, our hope, our joy. May your name be glorified now and forever. Even in this little sanctuary. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.